Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. During our conversation, we fielded mailbag questions about a host of intriguing Golden State topics. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. How are you holding up? You know, I feel like I ask you that every week, but we're over three months in now. I know everyone's going in waves in terms of how they handle this. Where are you at right now? Uh, Not bad. Thanks for asking. Um, You know, stuff is slowly starting to reopen a little bit. I know that we're being cautious because of the spikes and and things like that, but um, it sort of feels like people are kind of over this, and I I think you can only keep people indoors for so long, so it's been nice to go to parks and you know, there's some outdoor dining options opening up in San Francisco, which are nice. So uh, I'm optimistic. Yeah, you and I went to a Italian restaurant in San Francisco last weekend. It's my first time to a restaurant in several months. Uh, we ate outside. It was pretty good. What, what was your overall take on just the experience of eating outside at, at a restaurant in San Francisco? I know you've done it in Florida, but you can <laughs> do it in the back. No, it's great because – you know, the food out here is so great. You know, like the place we went to, I, it was just a place that's open. I'd never been there before, but I knew that all these sort of places were going to be open. Um, out, like We were down in the financial district, and there was, this, there was that, that alleyway with all those uh, open patio areas, you know, typically year-round. So I figured those places would be open. So we walked down there, had a really good Italian meal, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was pretty romantic, honestly. I mean, me and you sharing our first meal, you know, out of quarantine here. It was nice, but... uh um, you know, hopefully, you know, we're both doing that, you know, going forward and we don't end up having to go back because I think Gavin Newsom was saying that he's not going to reverse just because of the spike. So hopefully nothing, you know, that has opened is going to reclose. It doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Yeah, I'm just I live in Alameda and Alameda, Alameda County has been the slowest to reopen. So I'm just getting anxious for things to start opening up back here, man. It's getting it's getting brutal. You know, I don't want to have to go into San Francisco every time I want to eat at a restaurant, but first world problems. Um, and another first world problem we have right now is just uh, finding things to say and write about. Uh, we're, I think, officially in the dog days of a nine-month off season. Um, we'll put out the call the other day on, on Twitter for mailbag questions, not surprisingly. A lot of the questions I got were questions that we have already answered at some point, whether in the written or verbal form. Uh, and I don't blame you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with questions myself. But there were a few that were were a bit different than, than things we've tackled before. Um, the first one that I thought was interesting, now I, I always am hesitant to have you on to talk about Giannis because when you, whenever you do, <laughs> there's like an apocalyptic reaction. Uh, but – at mid-level exception, uh, asked, in terms of superstar hunting, do the Warriors have a plan B or C if they don't get Giannis? Other superstars they like that may be gettable, a.k.a. Embiid or Beal, if their teams melt down? Um, look, first of all, I think this mid-level exception guy is right on track. I think the Warriors could probably get Giannis for the mid-level exception. You know, because he's just going to want to play for them so badly. He's just going to take right. way less money to do that, you know. Am I am I getting the goodwill of your listeners back yet? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> if that makes a headline, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I give up. Uh, you're not letting me answer any more honest questions anymore. Um, 
Look, I, I don't know that look, I think Giannis is plan A, but he's plan A in a way that he's sort of a pipe dream in that I don't like the Warriors want Giannis. I already know where this is going, but whatever. The Warriors want Giannis, but they're not counting on getting Giannis either, right? So if if Giannis decides, hey, I want out of Milwaukee, hey, I'd like to play with Steph, Golden State seems like a good idea, the Warriors are going to make it so that they can at least offer the Bucks a trade package or if it's a free agent, they can, you know, find a, figure out a way to make it happen. But um, – Beyond that, I, I I don't know that there's – I don't think the Warriors are looking at this as, like, plan A, plan B, plan C in superstar acquisition plans. Um, I just don't think that they think they need a, another superstar in that way. Now, I think that – I think that math changes a little bit if we go into next year and Clay Thompson doesn't look the way that he was looking before he tore his ACL. If he has taken a step back, if Draymond Green continues to take step backs as he ages, if that becomes the case where they don't have another top 20, 30 player to pair with Steph Curry, then I can maybe see them pushing some chips in and acquiring a superstar type player. But to me, if I'm the Warriors and, and I need to sort of make a big move, Bradley Beal is the guy I'm looking for. Yeah, that, that's the thing to me is Giannis makes a lot of sense for obvious reasons. He's a generational talent. I think he fits the Warriors system perfectly. I think he'd pair ideally – alongside Steph. But in terms of these other names that people are throwing out there, Embiid, Beal, Ben Simmons, I don't think that any of them make a ton of sense uh, for various reasons. Um, I think that Embiid, as great as he is, I don't think the Warriors need a true, a true score, force, score first center like that, as we've talked, before, talked about before on the podcast. I think that's a lot of money, a lot of resources to invest in a center in the modern NBA. Um, I think it would. Who's injury prone? Who's who's very injury prone? Um, I think uh, I think it could be a, a gamble that's not worth taking, especially given everything they'd have to give up to to get him. And then Beal, I think Beal probably makes the most sense of those secondary names, but I don't think he's an ideal positional fit. Um, you know, given how he plays, I think he probably best is a two. Um, and you know, maybe you could give up Clay to. After him, but um, personally, I think that a healthy Clay pays play, pairs better with Steph than a healthy Beal in terms of what they bring to the table. Um, I just don't. I think that's kind of messing with things for the sake of messing with things. And then Ben Simmons, uh, I don't think makes sense for a few reasons. He's, he's not a great shooter on a team on a Warriors team that prides itself on its shooting, and their offense is built around being able to space the floor. He's a he's a point guard, and I don't think he wants or is willing to play anywhere else on the floor. And obviously, Steph is going to have that position, man, for some time now. So um, that's a lot to give up for another point guard. I just don't think it makes sense. I think Giannis is really the only superstar guy that if they can get, they should do everything in their absolute power to go get. The other guys would have to take specific a specific set of circumstances for it to make sense. Yeah, and look, I mean, what if Carl Anthony Towns shakes loose from Minnesota? We know Steve Kerr loves floor-spacing floor fives. Does he become an option? Something like that. Like, we don't know what super – like, so, so, No, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. But, like, it really depends on, like we're, – we're talking about players who are sort of in the rumor mill right now. Who knows what's going to happen a year or two from now, right, when the Warriors maybe have to, you know, make a sort of decision like this. The other thing – but I agree with your larger point. 
Giannis is the only guy that I would push the chips in for right now who's out there, right? Like, I mean, if Kawhi decides that he wants to come to Golden State, then whatever. But um, I, I, I answered this, a similar question on my podcast where um, when I, and a bunch of people came on back to me on Twitter about it, where I said, I wouldn't trade the top five pick for anybody other than a perennial superstar. And because there's a lot of talk out there and there was like a recent article uh, that I read that had like the Warriors should trade their top five pick for like Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart's a really valuable player. I, I like Marcus Smart's game a lot. I would never trade a top five pick for him or any other, but we get these questions all the time. I mean, you, you, we were talking about this before. Like it's the same questions over and over again. Who should the Warriors trade their top five pick for? They should obviously trade it for a veteran who can play and contribute right away to a playoff team. And I just think that your that opportunity cost is too great that you can't do that unless it's for a perennial all star. And again, people came on came at me on Twitter like you're not going to get a perennial all star other than Giannis for that top five pick. And that's sort of my point. Don't trade the top five pick for anything other than like this big fish type guy, a generational type talent, a perennial all star like Giannis, whoever else might become available if anybody else becomes available. Yeah, so I, that's the, that's the thing about the draft, especially when you're draft, drafting in the top five. Any draft, when you're drafting the top five, you're going to have a chance to draft someone who has the potential to be a franchise guy, who has the potential to be a multi-time all-star. Now, you could very well end up taking someone who is a total bust and is out of the league in five years. But, you know, when you have that type of opportunity, which those those opportunities don't come along very often, I don't think you give that up just to go for a guy who – you already know his ceiling is going to right. be just like solid rotation guy. Yeah, I think, look, the, the Warriors could do two things with that top five pick after they actually use it. You can develop whoever you take there as the superstar. I think the like Warriors fans who write these questions and they're just so obsessed with getting this next superstar with sort of backfilling the Kevin Durant role. I don't think they need to do that. I think you could go find a huge talent in the top five. I know it's a weak draft, but don't get caught in the narrative, people. Like, it's a weak draft, sure, but there's going to be a superstar talent taken in this draft. The Warriors have to try to get that player wherever they end up picking. Um, The other thing you can do with this top five pick is after you use it, a year from now, you can use that player in a trade package to go get a superstar that that shakes loose from from somewhere else. So just because they use this pick doesn't mean that they're not going to get another superstar player one way or the other. I'm not saying they're definitely going to, but it doesn't close the door on that either. So I, I think the biggest way for the Warriors to just add, they need talent. They need talent and athleticism. They need an influx of real talent and young talent. The best way to do that, the most direct way to do it, I should say, is just use the top five pick and nail it. Yeah. The, the next question, and I, I just kind of want to knock out the Giannis questions here so we can all talk about it in <laughs> one fell swoop. Um, the next question is a topic that has been a pretty hot one in, in recent days, and I haven't gotten a chance to address it directly, so I want to I wanna do it now. At Dreel Drisboy, I don't, I don't know how you pronounce this, Dreel Drisboy, uh, will Warriors trade play for Giannis? Now, <laughs> the reason I wanted to choose this question to talk about was because I have not personally understood the blowback when this when this becomes a conversational topic of the people saying, why would you ever trade Clay for Giannis? Clay's a foundational piece of the franchise. He's meant so much to the franchise. Why would you even be willing to do that? I don't understand that camp. Look, I like Clay as much as anyone, both personally and professionally. I think he's he fits the Warriors' 
ethos in every way on and off the court. But he is in his 30s now. He's coming off a pretty serious knee injury. Um, And when you're talking about going after a generational player like Giannis, you are willing – you need to be willing to do whatever it takes to get him, including giving up a guy that, yes, is a future Hall of Famer and arguably the second-best shooter in NBA history. But given where they're at in their careers, Giannis is, brings so much more to the table than Clay. I don't even understand why this is a question. Yeah, look, it's 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 math, man. Like if you trade Clay Thompson in a package that brings back Giannis, then you've now extended your championship window from the next three years to who know, like a next for a, to a decade almost, right? Like we think Giannis is going to be Giannis is twenty five years old. He's really good. He's, he's going to be maybe the best player in the league within a couple of years if he's not already. He already so is. if you, arguably, but if you if you get him, you've extended that window, you've doubled it, you've tripled that championship window. It's a no brainer. And the thing is, we you need to see what this thing looks like. Uh, most likely, if if Clay comes back and it looks like he's a step slow, if Draymond is still continues to decline, you're going to need to shake things up if you're the Warriors and you want to extend that championship window. We know how I stand on this. If I'm a Warriors fan, I don't want to trade for Giannis. I get it. But if I'm the Warriors or because I I just we've been there. But if I were the Warriors front office, I would absolutely be willing to trade anything it took other than Steph Curry to get Giannis. It's a no brainer. You have to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. And there was actually an interesting article today in the athletic that John Hollinger wrote and he wrote that Clay actually has the worst contract in the NBA right now. Um which was interesting. Uh, I would have thought that you, you would put Draymond ahead of, of Clay in terms of worst contract. Um, but he had a pretty thorough argument, and he explained that there's a, you know there's no guarantees that he's going to come back 100% from, from the ACL. He's, he's now 30 years old, um, and he's, he's a guy that even when he signed that max deal last summer, there were a lot of people in the league wondering if, if – that made a lot of sense. And then to have, um, you know, to be still be coming back from the injury and still have all these questions, it, it, it raises even more questions. So um, what do you think? I don't know if you saw that, but what do you think? What do you think hearing that, that Clay has the worst contract in the NBA? Um, it makes for an interesting writing. Kind of, it's, like it's, a, it's a nice hot take to have. I think we're really far from calling Clay Thompson one of the worst contracts in the NBA, though. Like, if you think about his game, he's a standstill shooter if, if you want him to be. And he, like you said, he's maybe the second-best three-point shooter of all time, certainly top five, no doubt. Um, if all he has to do is shoot threes at an all-time clip, I think you could do worse. I mean, the, the guy barely dribbles as it is. Uh, I think the biggest, you know, knock on him would be, can he guard the way that he did? Um, and that's what I think is so interesting about the Andrew Wiggins acquisition is because toward the end of the year, they were using Andrew Wiggins on opposing point guards, ball handlers. And that was interesting to me because that was usually where Clay Thompson would slot in. And if you're able, if you're the Warriors and you're able to now slot Andrew Wiggins on the opposing point guard, who, and, and Wiggins I think is a much better one-on-one defender than a, a team defender, um, if Wiggins can handle that responsibility, then you've taken a little bit more off of Clay Thompson's shoulders. And if he's guarding guys on the wing, that's going to be a lot less work for him coming off this ACL tear. So I think there's 
there, there's things in place here that are going to ease the concerns in regards to Clay Thompson's ACL re, uh, rehab. And so I, I'm not that worried about Clay. I'm not ready to say that yeah. he's going to be one of the worst contracts. I'm personally not that worried about his recovery from the ACL. If you look at uh, if you look at recent history, there's been studies over the past ten years. There's been such major strides made in terms of the surgery for ACLs. Um, the vast majority of guys who are in their prime, especially wing type guys, who come back from an ACL come back at or close to a hundred percent. And Clay, now he didn't rush it. You know, he's he's been out. Of, of the NBA now for over a year, he uh, he's he's still got several more months before he's going to have to play another NBA game. He's going to have plenty of rest, and you know the book on him is he's a hard worker and he always attacks his rehab well. So I, I honestly have no doubt that he's going to return as close to 100 percent as humanly possible. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the next, the next one I think is, is, a, is a question that you'll appreciate because we can't have you on the pod and not talk about the one and only Tyrese Halliburton. How viable is a starting five of Steph, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins, and Tyrese Halliburton? I mean, that's why I like the Tyrese Halliburton fit is because that could be your closing lineup. You've got Halliburton can guard positions one through, six, one through three. So you can play him alongside Steph and Clay in, in a backcourt. I don't, like, oh, Clay needs to play shooting, whatever. Like, positions don't really matter that much. You can have Steph, Clay, Halliburton. Clay and Halliburton can just guard the opposing two or three, whatever the best matchup is in the game. You've got Wiggins, who could, you know, presumably play a small ball four position. And you got Draymond playing center. I think the the reason that works with Halliburton is because Halliburton is such a smart off-ball defender. We saw it at Iowa State. The film, it shows up over and over and over again. That dude's just smart. Basketball IQ, basketball feel are all high. My biggest concern is not with Halliburton in that lineup. It's it's Wiggins. I mean, if you're going to play Wiggins as part of a switch-everything small ball scheme, he needs to get so much better playing off the ball and just being alert all the time, especially if he's going to be the guy next to Draymond Green in a small ball front court. So, you expect that being bracketed by guys like Clay and Draymond and just being coached up by the Warriors staff that he will get better. Like you can sort of build, you can kind of bake in an improvement there. It just depends on how much that improvement is going to be. Um, if he can do it, then that works. But I have no doubt that Halliburton can fit within that scheme. Yeah, to me, this is a lineup that if you draft Halliburton, you can play in pockets next season. Um, maybe, maybe you even, if you're trying to go small, if it's a lineup advantage, maybe you even close a game with that lineup. I don't, I don't think you need to start a game with that lineup. Um, but because you're, you're forcing too, too many guys out of their natural positions, but I, I, I agree with you. And we've talked about it many times. I think that is the best thing about Tyrese Halliburton is how versatile he is and how many options he gives you when it comes to lineups. And I think he's a guy who 
from day one as a rookie could come in and play a solid 25 minutes a night. And he could be playing a good good chunk of those at back of point guard. He could be playing some of those at shooting guard. Maybe he can slide over to the three a little bit too and defend some threes. I think he's able to do that. Um, the next question is well, wait, that... one more one more one more point on that. If you draft Halliburton, if you're the worst, he becomes in that lineup the third best passer in that lineup behind Steph and Draymond. And I don't think he's that far. And then even with Wiggins, he can do ball handling. Like he's really improved over the last couple of years in Minnesota and what we've seen in Golden State. Um, as just a playmaker. Yeah, like the only non-playmaker in that lineup would be Clay Thompson, and he's out there spacing the floor for everybody, having all of that off-the-ball you know, off the ball gravity that affects the game. So, I, like, now you've all of a sudden you're you're kind of reconfiguring that Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston type thing where everybody on the floor is affecting the game, is either a ball handler or a playmaker, or just helping each other out with whether or not they have the ball in their hands or not. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um the next the next question is is something I've kind of been struggling with myself, just wondering how the Warriors feel about this guy in terms of his feeling, his potential. So I'm curious to see what you think. This is from at Witta Glizzy. How high are the Warriors on Jordan Poole? Potential backup point guard even next year? I think they were really encouraged with what they saw from Jordan Poole at the end of the year, not only as a playmaker, but the amount that he improved offensively. At the beginning of the season, he was terrible defensively like he didn't know where he was he couldn't stay in front of anybody and he's small so he couldn't like he didn't really make up for it in any way uh, he's not a freak athlete either so uh but by the end of the year he just got so much smarter on both ends of the court and i think they really were encouraged by that amount of improvement that said as far as the ceiling goes i don't think they view him as a starter and by the way with the 28th pick you're not really getting a starter if you get a rotation player at number 28 congrats you've won the draft um, and I think with Jordan Poole, they believe they have a rotation player. Now, is he a sixth or seventh man? Probably not, at least not yet. But you could do a lot worse than your backup point guard being Jordan Poole or your, or just like a third guard off the bench being Jordan Poole, like whatever he is. I think he's going to get minutes next year. I don't think he's going to get 20 minutes a game next year. But he's going to get minutes next year because he's now proving that even in fewer minutes, he can make smart decisions. So I think they're encouraged by what they got with the 20th pick. So what do you think is his ceiling? Just good rotation guy in the NBA? Yeah, like uh, defensively, that's where the concern for me is. And just because he's so slight, you know, and he's not like Lou Williams who has like a similar frame but is like unbelievably efficient as a as a scorer. Like I don't think Jordan Poole's ever going to be that. So he probably tops out as an eight or nine guy, um, which is fine. That's like a, a you need team. those players. Yeah, yeah, on a good team. He's like your eighth or ninth guy on a good team. And that's 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 a good player. That's a useful yeah. player. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I think you saw flashes, especially toward the end of last season, that he has that quote unquote X factor you're looking for. He he has some wiggle to his game, um, and but I don't think that he's well rounded enough of a player to be like an, a truly elite player in the league. Um, I think he's no, he he, enough shooter and he's improving enough defensively to warrant 20, 25 minutes a night on a very good team for a very long time in the league. Maybe not next season, but, you know, once he starts to get closer to his prime. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what his role on next season's team is because when you look at what the Warriors are probably going to try to accomplish this offseason um, in terms of the pieces they're going to add, the draft picks, all those things, the trade exception, mid-level, you, you, you look at – 
who they can bring in, and you wonder, like, where the minute's going to be for Jordan Poole. Um, because if their rotation is where they want to be it, where they want it to be entering next season, I think he's at best for like 11th guy, um, which is honestly probably where he should be at this point in his career. Yeah, I think that's fine. And maybe down the road he develops into, in, into like a sort of Patty Mills type where he's a three-level scorer that gives up some on defense, but, you know, just a smart player who just does the right thing and you can just trust him in minutes and can develop into a sixth or seventh guy. Like maybe down the road that's what he becomes, like in his prime. But um, the Warriors are going to not – like how many minutes is Steph, uh, Steph going to play next regular season? Like it's not going to be more than 35 a game. I think it will be closer to 30. So if you if you, around thirty, yeah. So that's it, it, you're going to keep his minutes low. You're going to keep Clay's minutes low coming off the rehab. You're going to keep Draymond's minutes low because he's a 16 game player, not an 82 game player. That's going to open up a lot of playing time for guys nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. That's just the way it's going to happen. So the Warriors need depth more than they ever had because all all the you know the, the core trio they're all old now. So you want to have more depth than you did before. And so there's a like Jordan Poole's going to play like it, as long as things go right and he continues to improve and he, and you know what the coaches and what we've seen bears out he's going to have an important role and you could still have an important role as guy number eleven on the team yeah and he's only twenty years old so yeah. um the, the, he's got plenty of time and I think they got to feel good about where he is right now for a number twenty eight pick after two years of college um, and then as far as the backup point guard thing I think. It's just nice that they at least know that he can be a secondary ball handler. That was just a nice thing to learn in some meaningless games sort of the end of last season. Uh, I don't think they should be penciling him as their backup point guard. I think it's nice to just have ball handlers that you can go to in a pinch because you're going to have injuries. You're going to have games where you need that. So it's just a nice asset, I think. Um, and the next question is kind of a fun one. Um that I, that I fig- figured you'd enjoy. Um, this is from at the NBA analyst one. Knowing the Warriors players and coaches, can you show us what you think an imaginary team-wide text thread looked like once they learned they're not one of the 22 teams playing in Orlando? Um, who is the first person to initiate the text thread? It would probably be uh, Draymond. Draymond. Yeah. Yeah, and Draymond probably says something like, thank God kids don't have to see you guys for another nine months, LOL, crying, laughing emoji. That is, did did you actually just see their text thread? Because I feel like that's exactly what happened. (laughs) That's 100% what happened. Um, I think, and then uh, all the young guys jumped in with just emoji, crying, laughing emojis. Uh, Right even though a few of the young guys deep down were, like, a little bummed because they wanted to, like, continue to prove themselves and maybe get out there a little bit more. But they weren't going to say that. Who didn't respond? Draymond set the tone. Who didn't respond? Steph doesn't respond. Andrew Wiggins doesn't respond. Clay definitely doesn't respond. Clay hasn't even seen it yet, um, and this happened weeks ago. He probably doesn't even have a phone right now. He doesn't. He, like, he like left his phone in the refrigerator, like, four weeks ago and just, like, hasn't even bothered to look for it. Hasn't even realized it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I think I think Steve jumps in there too as like uh jokes aside, like looking forward to seeing you guys or something like that. Yeah. Right. And then like sent them like a bunch of articles to read in the meantime. Right, exactly. Um 
the next, the, the one I want to close on is a, is, a, is a guy I get asked about a lot. I think you do too, um, even though he's not a big name player by any means. This is from at GSW Reddit, uh, who shout out to GSW Reddit. You're great at what you do. You're on top of everything all the time. Um, how likely do you think it is that they give Jonathan Simmons a look when filling out their roster during the transaction window? Um, I think Simmons had a better chance maybe taking one of those 10-day contracts that may have been vacated by, like, Dragon Bender or Chasen Randall um, at the end of a normal regular season. I don't think that the Warriors are moved to the point where they have to bring Jonathan Simmons in. If I think that maybe changes if they are granted, you know, a mini camp or some sort of organized league activity and that it makes sense to do something in the transaction window. But if it doesn't, like, they're not going to just sign them to sign them. Like, they're not going to use more money that they don't have to use to sign a player. So unless there's a really pressing need to even do anything in this transaction window, I don't see the Warriors doing anything, uh, whether it be Jonathan Simmons or whoever. So, look, maybe – you know, maybe you bring, give him a training camp deal next year or something like that. But I, I, um, I don't. There's a reason Jonathan Simmons is in the G League right now. Right. And I don't. I don't think that he necessarily needs to be on the roster. And I don't think the Warriors are going out of their way to make it happen. But if they have a spot and they're like, look, we can use a big wing who can play physical, uh, a physical style basketball. We'll just bring him in for whatever. But I don't see them giving him a, a guaranteed contract without a meaningful tryout first. Right, I, I agree. I think I think that you want to use those mini camp spots on guys that you just are curious about and guys you want a longer look at. Um, and even though he was with Santa Cruz, they they keep in really good communication with the coaches down there. They know what, what's going on. So I think that they probably feel like they got a good read on where Jonathan Simmons is just from his month or two in Santa Cruz. And um, you know maybe they give him a training camp invite and let him compete for a spot come training camp. I don't think they need to waste a mini camp spot on a guy they already are pretty familiar with. So, and there's, there's a decent amount of guys who are going to be available in the transaction window who um, might be more uh, appealing to other teams. So maybe they want someone that's a little bit, you know, that they actually have to compete for. Maybe a guy like Gerald Green or uh, Justin Anderson you know, guys who also have NBA experience and I think maybe are a little bit closer to an NBA return. Um, so they're going to have options. I do think that we're we're not going to see both Randall and Bender in tra- in minicamp. I think they've kind of seen what they needed to see out of those guys. I think you use those two spots just to get a deeper look at someone. And, look, the stakes are non-existent. If you're not a huge fan. You don't even give them a training camp invite. You know, it's just kind of another opportunity to look at guys. Yeah, and there's going to be guys that they're going to sign that we didn't see coming either. So, um, yeah, there could be someone overseas that wants wants out of their contract overseas, and that we're not even isn't even on our radar. You know what I mean? I mean, one guy that I thought about Warriors earlier was be on top of that. One guy that I thought about earlier was Nico Mirotic. Like, remember that guy who like turned he was he good, just, man. He was really good, and he played against the Warriors a lot. Um, and always played pretty well. I remember him guarding Kevin Durant in a pretty meaningful way um, in, a, in a playoff series, I think, a year ago or two years ago. Um, but uh, he he turned down NBA offers to go play back in Spain and because he just likes it better over there and, like, whatever, I can't blame him. 
But if he does ever want to make an NBA return, there's a number of teams that make a lot of sense for him, most of which are in California, one of which is the Warriors. Um, we know how Steve Kerr feels about four-spacing bigs. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Like, look, we're not talking about a training camp deal anymore. I just wanted to bring this up because I was thinking about it earlier today. Uh, we're talking more of, like, a mid-level exception at least. Like, it, he would he would literally have to take way less money to sign the winning team. But based on the reason why he left, uh, he wants to be on a winning team, right? He wants to play winning basketball, meaningful basketball. So no matter where he signs, he's probably not going to get – you know, $15 million a year contract. He's probably going to, if he does decide to come back, it'll be just to win a championship. And if he does that, maybe uh, it would be for something around the middle exception, but it's just an idea I wanted to throw out there. Wes, uh, great stuff as always. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, hopefully one of these days we can actually sit down in a restaurant inside and have a conversation. But until then, we'll continue to eat outdoors and have you on the podcast. You're actually on news this week, right? Where where can our listeners and readers go? They want to read some Wes Goldberg news content. Yeah, you want my inverted pyramid-style news stuff. You can find it over at themarchinews.com. Follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. My byline is right in the bio. Um, yeah, I'm doing news all week, man. It's not bad. You know, I'm, 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 I feel plugged in. I left the You're toy department. So journalism. You're versatile. That's right. Yeah, I can switch positions one through three. Thanks, man. Uh, we've we'll, we'll got to have you on sometime soon. In the meantime, stay safe. Thanks for having me, man. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. It's always a ton of fun talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 